welcome to Overtime, the podcast. Overtime is a podcast dedicated to all things watches, particularly in the microbrand and affordable range. I'm Praka, and this is my co-host, Justin. We are two watch enthusiasts based out of Perth, Western Australia. Join us as we discuss our thoughts on new releases, share our personal experiences, and offer our insights on building a collection. Whether you're a seasoned enthusiast or just starting your journey, Overtime will keep you entertained with informative insights and casual conversations. Let's get started. Dustin, how you going, mate? I am fantastic on this uh, Thursday night. How about yourself? Yeah, good, good. Uh, had a short day of work today, and um, yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. How's your week been? Yeah, good. We caught up for coffee on Tuesday, I think it was, um, before the rain hit, and it's been raining ever since. But it's it's been a a good week. We're we're coming into Friday, so it's always a a good uh, a good eve to be on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, you're right. It's been yeah, pretty rainy here in WA, and um, but I've been enjoying the uh, all the World Cup games. Uh, yeah, the the Women's World Cup games. Been trying to catch as much of them as possible with the kids and the family. So yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's not often you see uh, Australia or even Perth on the big stage at all. So it's been cool, cool to it, see some stuff pop out up out of Perth. Definitely, definitely is huge. Um, I'm, yeah, so I'm a big fan of the round ball game. So yeah, it's always good to see. All right. Well, um, look, uh, let's 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 get into our episode today. And again, this episode is a very special episode. Um, we've got um, we've got another guest for our listeners today. Um, and look, we're very excited to have this guest on board. I'd like to introduce uh, Carl Schutt from Stratton and Signum Watches. Hi, Carl. How's it, guys? Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. No, thanks for coming on. We're very excited for this. Start of every episode, we like to do a customary wrist check. So, as the guest today, uh, what are you wearing today? I'm sporting my uh, sort of the new Signum Siege, which has a red red pearl dial, and um, yeah, that recently launched. So, I thought it would be appropriate to to wear that. Yeah, beautiful. I'm a yeah huge fan of that watch. Um, it's uh, titanium, is it? Or is it steel? It looks like it's titanium, but it's steel and it's sandblasted. So it's got that titanium look, but it's also got the clear DLC coating. So ah. um, it can take a bit of a bashing without being uh, scruffed up. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. And the, the range of dials on that um, when it released, amazing. Doing some cool stuff there. Yeah. Sort of a playful field watch design. So as, as Signum is, it doesn't really conform to anything. So... Yeah. It will take a sort of genre and, and make a play about it. So, yeah, yeah. I like cool. it. Yeah, very good release. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I like that you've made a case, which I say looks like those those titanium, those sort of, you know, dull, but, you know, that B-blasted finish, it definitely makes it more robust, doesn't it? A proper feel watch you're not really worried about. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. You guys? Yeah. It, it's also cool to see something unique. Um, yeah, that kind of case shape and and look and dial size isn't, isn't something you see every day. Um, and it's cool to see it in a you know in a live video opposed to just being on the on the website in photos. So very yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess for myself today, um, as I'm coming off of about a eighty or sixty to eighty watch cull over the past few years, um, kind of re- redesigning my collection and whatnot and building back up. Um, I went with the the Stratton today as well. So you and I had a couple of small chats in the in the past. Um, as I've said in previous episodes, I've struggled with the purchase of 
um, online um, watches without being able to see it and hold it. And over the last, uh, I'd say, seven months to a year, um, I've kind of been able to make that dive a bit a bit more in. Um, when thinking about Stratton, I wanted to go square, um, a mon- a tag Hoya Monaco, something I've owned in the past and absolutely loved the square on that. But for some reason, I've always been unsure about square cases going forward. But yeah, I went with the uh, the Quartz Yacht Racer in the white, pink and blue, and it has been incredibly fun to wear this week. Um, great example of an everyday playful watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's exactly why I made it. <laughs> Yeah, it wears yeah. so well, hey. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to try it on on Tuesday as well, and uh, uh, yeah, there's that was that tonneau case, or is that what you call it? The little tonneau case, turtle like, yeah, tonneau, yep. yeah. Oh, great, yeah, wears really well. Yeah, and I think with um, like I've not really been uh, had too many chronographs in the collection over the years. It's mainly been dive watches, um, and I think with chronographs, uh, you see a lot of a lot of chronographs out there that pay some sort of nod to something um, and you can't really tell, but with um, Stratton's style, you can definitely see what you're, what you're nodding to and what the, what the idea behind it is. So um, loving it so sure. far, I even went for a run with it. I didn't think I'd ever say I went for a run with a chronograph. Usually it's a G-Shock, um, but I did and it was comfy. And um, yeah, the, the um, crystal, that kind of um, uh, look that you get from the side when it distorts uh, is it distorts, beautiful. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Parker, what about yourself? What cool. are you wearing tonight? I have uh, wore it all day, actually. Um, it's a Christopher Ward C63 Sealander GMT, uh, hard to tell. Uh, I've got it on a, like a rubber strap today. It's As we said, it's been quite rainy, so uh, I felt like, you know, it's appropriate for the weather. Um, and, oh, look, it's a great, great GMT. Uh, obviously, it takes inspiration of the Explorer 2. Uh, but um, just makes it its own, and um, yeah, I've been really enjoying it since I've caught it, and uh, it's been been away with me a few times as well. So it uh, definitely, uh, yeah, it's 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 making a mark in my collection. Cool. All right. Well, wrist checks out of the way. Uh, let's get into it. Hey. So um, look, Justin and I, Carl, have got uh, plenty of questions today. So um, yep. we've, all, we've even got a question in from one of our listeners. So um, I think, uh, yeah, Justin, uh, please kick us off with uh, your question today. Yeah. So first question would be uh, from myself would be, um, I'm assuming you don't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to, I'm going to make a watch. I'm going to make a brand. Um, so what made you start a micro brand and, um, you know, the, the general journey of how you got to where you are with the businesses at this point in time? Sure. So I think my, my journey started off in around, you know, I can go all the way back to when I was 11 years old or 12 years old when I got my first watch from my grandparents, which was a, a Lanco dress watch, quartz. I still got it somewhere here in 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 the collection um i always loved watches from sort of that young age and when i moved to switzerland in 2010 for family reasons um i I wanted to start a business and even though i was working um i was doing sort of day-to-day sort of visualization and manifestation you know what what can i do and sort of put myself out there and always read, you know, you know, do something that you love. So in 2012, I launched my first business in the watch industry was where I was buying unknown brands. 
sending them. So I'm originally from South Africa and I moved to Switzerland and my parents were still in South Africa at the time. And I, I thought I found a loophole uh, or a possible business where I would buy unknown watch brands. And there was a sort of auction website in South Africa called Bid or Buy. And I would put the watches on there, uh, send them to my mom and do the adverts and, and start selling. And within a really short space of time, within three months, I was doing about 250 watches a month. Wow. wow. It really, it, it, it took off like a rocket ship in a, in a big way. And, um, I was doing, doing that business for about two years and I wanted to start my own brand, but the, the, the risk of having to invest, you know, around 50 K into a basic quartz watch production, um, without having any customers or any, you know, um, brand feedback, et cetera, was too much money for me to risk. Mm. So at that time, I, I sort of focused on 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 the watch selling business of other brands, but then the Rand value tanked mm. towards the dollar and everything else. Uh, it lost like 50% of its value over that period of two years and slowly ate into my profit margin. So um, I was looking for other ways of how I could make my own watch brand work. And that's when I discovered crowdfunding hmm. and crowdfunding at the time when I started looking, the only possibility for a Swiss creator or a person based in Switzerland was Indiegogo, which mm -hmm. wasn't sort of the best platform of the two. Most people were going to Kickstarter and this was in two, early 2015. And I anyway started the process um, Stratton was the first brand that, that I created and launched and I loved retro styling. I had a sort of a collection of, of seventies retro chronographs, not expensive ones, but sort of ones that have the Valjoux double seven, double three hand wine and double seven, double three, four with the date, um, the hand wine versions back then they were like two, $300 us, uh, a piece online people were sort of uh, they've almost doubled and tripled and quadrupled in price now mm. um, and I sort of always loved that styling so I combined the love of that the love for my 1977 Alfa Romeo Alfa GT which I still have today um, and the first watch the vintage driver chrono uh, which was inspired by the, the tachometer of my car and bit of retro influence. Um, Kickstarter opened up to Swiss creators in uh, May of 2015, I believe. And that's when I said, okay, now's the time to do it. So I shot the video myself, took all the photos myself. I was on a shoestring budget, $2,000. Um, even the prototypes, uh, because how I did it was... I created a first round of prototypes with, with movements and I got them and I posted them on Facebook watch groups. I think it was only two at the time I was a member of and I got some feedback and I made changes to the logo and I made uh, some small changes to the dial with some feedback that I'd gotten 
gotten from from the members mm. and um I didn't have enough money to afford <laughs> to um you know redo everything with movements etc and send everything back and that so they literally made the next round of prototypes without movements inside and just glued the hands to 10 10 <laughs> awesome <laughs> so literally, literally the 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 watches in the in the photographs they don't have movements in them. It probably made it easier so, in taking um, all your photos, right? So you don't have to keep exactly, resetting the hands. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you know the qualms and struggles of every every launch since then. It's always resetting, taking mm-hmm, out, yeah. resetting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really on a shoestring budget. And I just got, I think it was right timing. I was sort of, I hit the scene sort of before the massive wave of, you know, brands that started to launch on Kickstarter. So I think it was a combination of right timing, sort of product story. I think people could relate to the story because it was, you know, genuine. It wasn't some made up story, you know. Um, it was about a, a guy and his car and his love for watches. And, you know, for example, as I said, I shot the video and I was, um, riding in the Swiss mountains and mm. I like I had a I think it was an iPhone I don't know what was in 2015 probably like an iPhone 5 yeah, and I bought some little little stand for it and I placed it in the on, on a corner of one of the, the turns and I got in my car and I pushed a cord and I drove down and I just left it there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was, yeah, it, it, it was fun now thinking, thinking back about how I all did it. And, um, I wanted 15,000 Swiss francs, yeah. which is 15,000 US, uh, plus minus in, in one month. And uh, I was completely blown away that it, it reached that goal within the first hour. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I was, I still remember I was at my, my now wife's, um, uh, apartment in Munich and, uh, I, I couldn't sit still. I was just, I was beside myself, just, you know, watching my phone every time it went ching, ching, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can <laughs> it imagine it's pretty um... unreal, unreal <laughs> feeling. And yeah, yeah, I guess in credit to yourself, like um, that's around where my collecting journey started. It was about 20, um, 2016. I'd always kind of had a watch through high school, then went through a phase of having um, fashion watches um, throughout my days of going out and whatnot. Um, but I remember to uh, back back then, and huge credit to you. You were always in the um, yeah, involved in the forums. Like you, like you said, you were seeking the feedback. Um, and even to today, your, your name is always up and posting um pictures and. Um, I'm assuming, yeah, you're reading the comments. Um, you got a huge loyal following because of that, which is, yeah, massive credit to yourself. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I try and I post once a day for each brand in the groups and, you know, um, I don't try and make it too sort of self-promote. Like I, I majority of the post, or well, I don't put links in the post. Sometimes I don't even put the name of my brand. Um, and I also try and, you know, give back to the community and be involved. It's not just about taking, it's just about giving. So, you know, I do watch giveaways in, in some groups and those who offer them and sort of, yeah, uh, I'm the person who who believes in in giving back to, to the community that, you know, helped me get 
to where I am in terms of the the, the brands. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, I think most recently I saw your the the watch that you're wearing now. Actually, you're giving the, some of those away through Jody on YouTube. I'm correct. Yeah, I, I gave I gave three of them away. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they they being sent out now. There were three winners there. I also gave one away in the budget watch group. Um. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. To, it's great to see. Um. You know, giving back to the community and I guess where I'm from and I mean, a completely different. Uh, completely different thing. But that's kind of what we started this whole podcast for was. Uh. You know, we felt like we've learned a lot from people and we wanted to be able to contribute and give back to the community in our own way and sense. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah Enjoy the hobby. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Find other ways as opposed exactly. to just buying all the time. It's <laughs> another <laughs> yeah. way. Um, on the back of, um, I guess, your uh, Stratton, you know, and inspiration for Stratton where you got there. I mean, it's like, like Justin said as well, and your, your design language for Stratton is, is very well defined. Right. And, and it's in, um, and in many ways kind of synonymous to how we collect watches personally, which is the design and aesthetic plays a bigger part than say stuff like, I don't know, in-house movements or, you know, those, those kind of things. Um, was that a conscious choice on your behalf? Absolutely. Um, I, I tell the story when I get asked sort of questions around this topic. Um, I remember I was about a year in uh, into Stratton, and I remember um, some professor of marketing at an American university. He was a member of of one of the watch groups in in Facebook, and he told me straight. He said you won't be in business in two years time. He said to me, who do you think you are? Are you, you Coca-Cola or something mm. that, you know, you, he said, first of all, just having your logo as not an actual name. He said, no one's going to remember you. So my simple answer to him was, it was exactly the conscious decision I made to change my logo when I launched my first watch to my second one. My first watch, the Vintage Driver, had the full logo, Stratton. And after that, I switched it only to the S. And I made that decision consciously because with the success of my first watch, which in my view is very tamed in terms of design when you have a look from the first and then to the second, it's it's to the curve chrono, which was my second one, is a big jump. Mm. And even then, the, the the third, the 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 synchro, and then the speciale. They, if you compare all those watches to the first, the design language is it's it's much more, not extravagant, but it's just a lot more detailed. There's a lot more behind it. And I knew already that I wanted my design language to be able to speak for itself. And people actually recognize, hey, that's a Stratton watch without even seeing the logo or knowing who made it. I really, I wanted the, 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 the design to, to say what the watch is. And already in my second year, I got the first comment. A guy, a guy wrote, I said, I didn't even have to look at the logo. I know it's a Stratton watch. Yeah. 
Um, and I've had that multiple, multiple times uh, to this day. I've had that feedback. So I wanted that design language to be consistent. Um, and I wanted that, that design language to speak for itself. And I think uh, yeah. I, I can say I've, I've accomplished that um, and, and, and proved, proved uh, that uh, professor of marketing wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, like with your case shapes being, I think, the number one when you kind of look at, um, you know, like you said, the speciale and the the synchro. Um, and then I think your early adoption of using so much color also helps there because uh, looking back into uh, the archives of my brain, which sometimes doesn't go that far anymore. Um, yeah, you had the purples and the greens and the reds pretty early before they became larger trends now. So popular. Yeah, yeah. Um, those stuff is that stuff is really prevalent in the hobby these days, and yeah, the purple that you've got also pops. But um, I don't remember there being too much else in the purple vein back then. Exactly. Yeah, it was really early on with the purple. It's, I mean, not the first people who, who made a purple watch, but this, I, I did see in the microband world there was a huge, huge surge yeah. in 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 color, especially purple, in the last sort of two two years. Yeah. yeah, you've predicted that one. Sweet. <laughs> well, on the back of um of that question, I'd like to ask, how do you decide what movement goes into each watch? Because you've got such a large catalogue between the two brands now. Um, how do, What does that process yeah. look like? I think it's a mixture of price, it's thickness, um, of course, the design. Uh, I, I think, you know, when starting off, when designing a watch, I do have to decide sort of right in the beginning what movements do I want to use or what I have access to because that decides if it's a three-hand or a um, triple calendar or a dive watch or, uh, you know, or whatever type of design it may be. Um, I think those sort of points, I then decide on – I've always tried to – sort of cover the market, especially with Stratton in terms of movements. Um, so in, in the early days, I sort of used to do two case sizes, two movements. Um, my manufacturer didn't love me for that because <laughs> it, it made so, so many different um, possibilities, but it certainly did, you know, I think help me to cover the market in terms of there's some people who, care about movements and therefore want an automatic or a mechanical movement and other people simply just don't care they just like the look of the watch and 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 want the watch so um that's why i've always sort of decided uh, i should do a, a quartz and, a, and an automatic version with with stratton not always but um when, when i could do it i did it uh i think you know my, my best seller to date with stratton is is the speciale which is either the the VK sixty seven Mecha Quartz and the um, Valju seven seven five zero Swiss automatic, um, yeah, just over around four thousand pieces sold to date wow. of, of those. Impressive. Just out of and, curiosity, uh, what would be the most in demand colorway of that watch? Because um, you've got uh, brown through to purple and teal and orange yeah. these days. Yeah, it's. Um, and the brown off white are, are the most most popular. Definitely, I would say out of everyone, the all brown 
which has been on the market the, the longest out of the off white and brown version because that only came later as sort of a, a, a 15 piece uh, limited edition but it was a slightly different uh, obviously I couldn't then remake it in mass if it was a, a limited edition but I, I changed the coloring slightly uh, and um, introduced that version but I would say yeah the brown one is definitely I think it just it it, it reeks sort of retro styling that just completes the look and I, I would say if, you, if you're on the fence about a this it, it is an awesome watch I, I say it's it's uh it's really different the customers always tell me i I've, I've never had so many compliments people sort of you know ask about it and um at face value sort of people who maybe don't know watches would think yeah i've had the uh, the tag hoyer monaco sort of but i've got both i've got a monaco and i got the speciale and i've often posted them next to each other and they're completely not alike mm-hmm. um completely different i think it's a bit uh yeah uh, i guess if you're not really into watches you might look at it and go oh, it's a square case square case so that's why they compare the two but when you really look exactly. into it properly you know then you know the difference um, yeah, and I just wanted to pick out what you said before about, you know, having the various movements and the various cases and stuff. Was that was that a bit of a um, challenge initially uh, to, Absolutely. I guess, in terms, of, in terms of a business? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, I'm guessing your minimum order quantities and and uh, the costs would, would have gone up. Absolutely. Because, um, you know, what, what many people don't consider is, as soon as you change the movement, you change the case height. Mm. And case minimum order quantities are, back then it was 300. Now it's up to 500. Because wow. through COVID, a lot of the smaller factories have closed down. And mm. now only uh, sort of the, the larger players in the market are left. So you have to you sort of conform to, to their minimum order quantities, which is 500. So... I was doing two case sizes, both with movements that meant four different case yeah. um, molds. Um, case molds uh, themselves are five hundred dollars each, um, and then you have to order five or three hundred back then of each of those case. Wow! Yeah, yeah. And I guess in a world of micro brands where a lot of specs are very similar, and I'm leaning more towards the dive watch um, space um, with this, uh, it's yeah the the, the square and um, TV shape kind of case. What I refer to as some of those as um, square case is yeah stands out. So I'm assuming yeah it's a whole different a uh, lot of variables and aspects that go into making that compared to your standard forty to forty two dive watch that has an NH thirty five in it. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, it was, it's also sort of risky in a sense because, you know, dive watches are the, 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 it's the biggest genre in the business Hmm. in terms of volume. Um, People have like, can have like 50 dive watches in the collection, but the chances of them having 50 chronographs in their collection is uh, uh, not likely. Um, they are the chronograph lovers, but definitely the dive watches are are, are much more loved than um, any other genre. 
And yeah, that's maybe sort of also why it's probably one of your questions that's still coming. <laughs> <laughs> how how did, did Signum arise? But um, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get yeah, to we'll that get very, soon. <laughs> very soon. Before, before, before we sort of, um, we, we you know, we, we split this up as a bit of a couple of questions from Stratton, a couple of questions from Signum, try and balance it up yeah. a bit. So before we wrap sure. up, Stratton, uh, so this was the question from one of our listeners. Um, they said, look, it's clear your inspiration for Stratton is linked to your love for cars. So this one's a bit of a lighthearted question. Well, you know, you just wanted yeah. to ask, what's, what's your daily driver? My daily driver at the moment, it's a 2005 Volvo V70R. Nice. Okay. So it's the, um, I always had the love for the, it's my first Volvo. I I bought it um, just under a year ago. And uh, my my wife calls it the the hearse. (laughs) It's it's the station wagon. So it's that that block. It, It looks like a hearse. Yeah, but I always had a thing. I always had a thing for them, and it's the the R version. So it's a two and a half liter five cylinder turbo. Nice. So it's got that five cylinder sound, and it's got three hundred horsepower. And um, yeah, I, I took it on a on a road trip through Germany to um, uh, Amsterdam to visit my parents a few months ago. And uh, yeah, I got up to like two two seventy on the on the autobahn. Wow, two hundred seventy awesome. kilometers. Yeah, so it's still still moves, still moves. Oh yeah, nice, nice. And yeah, I mean, um, it's funny because I'm looking through some of these photos of that model and uh, some lowered ones and some, you know, with a bit of, I guess, uh, like slightly modded ones. And it just reminds me of some of these old Commodores that we have in. Uh, <laughs> In Perth, in Australia, in, in Australia <laughs> yes, very much in the same vein. Uh, as yeah. it, yeah, Justin, you probably you've probably seen more of these around uh, where you grew up. Yeah, the Commodore was definitely a staple of where I grew. It was like an eighteen-year-old ritual, you know. Um, you got your little thousand-dollar uh, run-around car when you turned sixteen, seventeen for your L's, and then when you get on your P plates, you go and buy the the V eight version of whatever was out there back then. So, and I'm guilty yeah. of doing that myself. <laughs> Not proud of it though. Not yeah, no, no, no. Australia love their V8s as well. I, I know that. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, perfect. I mean, I think that's a good good uh, launching point to go to um, Signum. We've got a couple of questions. Um, the first one with Signum watches is, I think it's uh, quite fair to say that your dials on Signum watches are probably the, the biggest attraction and talking point about your watches. You know, everyone looks at Signum, they, get, they always say, look at that dial. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, how do you go about selecting and and making your dials? Sure, I, I always had a thing growing up for for minerals and rocks. I I, uh, I don't know if you had them in Australia, but you guys, I think, are sort of similar age. I'm 37 now. Yeah, slightly younger, but yeah, around the same age. Okay. So um, I don't know if you had them in Australia, but you you could buy these sort of magazines. And then with the magazine, you you there was like these little ro- you could get with each magazine a rock like yeah. a mineral, and it had its own special case. And you know you had these magazines yeah. with different things. Like one of them was like a car, and you had to get you had to buy all the magazines to get all the pieces to build the car. Yeah, and 
I had a whole collection of these these mineral ones, and and uh, I always had a fascination with 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 minerals, and um, so I I just scrolled the internet and and you know put in Google images or go to Pinterest and um, you know trying to find interesting but sort of doable because not every mineral is it's possible or even from a cost perspective and then once i found something interesting i then sort of scroll the internet for um sellers of you know the actual specimens uh in their raw form so it's it's quite a time-consuming process to go through all of that so um i i literally find the specimen that I want, and then I have it sent to my manufacturer, um, or my. When I say manufacturing in 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 China, there's not one factory who does everything. Yeah. Um, basically, how how the system works in China is as you have. When I talk about my manufacturer, they're they're literally only the assembler of the watch. Besides the assembling, they do the whole technical drawing portion. They do. The coordination of all the factories who produce all the small parts, um, they coordinate everything, and then it gets sent in. So, um, when it comes to the to the dials, um, there's one company who will actually drill the special the the specimens. They drill like a, a, a cylinder, like a core, uh, which is in the yeah a, a core like yeah. And then from there, they slice like half millimeter sort of pieces. That's where you can get a lot of the breakages. Mm. Um, so after that's done, it then gets sent to the actual dial manufacturer who will place those dials on a backing. And then they sort of draw for the indexes, the indices, and then they put the index or indices in place. Yeah. That's sort of the, the, the process of um, selecting those. Uh, the meteorite ones, I, I don't. The, the, the dial manufacturer or the, the dial manufacturer that I selected, they, they had access to um, meteorites, so they I wouldn't, wouldn't choose, which made that a bit easier. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think going on the back of dials there, um, two things for me. With the – while you're on, on meteorite as well um, – I feel like meteorite at the start of my collecting journey was a little bit harder to come by. And now in the microband space, it's definitely come down to this level. Um, and you Signum definitely stands out with this heat treatment that you go through. I think we're very used to seeing gray and very natural um, toned meteorite dials. And um, it's cool that you found a different way to move it into something else um, unique to, to yeah. the brand again, which is um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, we were the, the, the first commercial brand to to launch uh, that kind of um, meteorite dial. That's an ionization process that it goes through. Mm-hmm. And uh, a ma- an expensive mainstream brand, uh, De Boothina, yeah. Oh, yeah. they yeah. launched six six months later, they launched um, well, a, a heat okay. meteorite dial after, after ours went. <laughs> yeah, cool. so, yeah. Yeah, I guess on the back of um, uh, uh, Heat Meteorite as well, like the Red Mother of Pearl, again, like another way of doing something that's made its way down into the micro space again. Um, I feel like Mother of Pearl was very, um, 
um, like an elitist kind of dial. When I remember thinking back to 2016, 17 days, um, you didn't really see it down here, but uh, and that, that's an unreal, yeah, looking looking dial. Yeah, I think it's always about sort of what what, what can I do that it's not so necessarily that hasn't been done before, but you know that the watch market is always looking for something different. Mm-hmm. Um, different, yes, but maybe I should retract that statement <laughs> because <laughs> um, it, it it depends. It needs to be a combination. It can't just be completely different, um, you know, because a lot of the time I used to see, you know, the, the, the market says they want something completely different, but then they still buy the Rolex Submariner looking dive watch or um you know the 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 generic styled dive watches people sort of a lot of the time fall back to what they used to and uh, like like yourself you're uh, justin with the square watches getting out of your comfort zone mm. to, make, to make that leap uh, it's a little bit difficult for you i understand um and also with buying watches online mm. sort of now slowly making that journey to feeling more comfortable with the with the process um yeah yeah it's definitely a um weird position to be in um like yeah at the start of my collecting i wouldn't have thought i'd be looking at all these online watches um and having them all at your kind of um you know the, the pick is there no matter what you want there's something out there but I'm just quickly going back to dials. This um, this purple, green, and blue copper turquoise. Uh, when you talked about doing doing a core drill and then you're shaving off half millimeter dials, what is the success yeah. rate on something like this? Because I'm thinking about stones and um, you know, I've got toddlers as well, and I know what they're like with rocks and how easily they break and smash. Like, yeah, what is the success rate with that? Um, those turquoise ones are actually quite good because uh, oh. the 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 minerals are stabilized prior to to drilling but say for example um the azurite one i i, I made um if people sign up to the the signum newsletter they'll get taken on sort of a journey and one of the beginning emails that i do send is um so sort of the process of making those dials sort of what what's involved um some like also the labradorite some breakages are like up to 50 percent Wow. Well, yeah, it's 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 prior to making the complete dial. So I know it's it's broken. We try to stabilize it on a brass backing before it gets drilled for the for the indices and the or the indexes. So um, yeah, uh, but it is yeah, it's a lot of breakages, um, and I think also people, you know, there's so much. I see it because I know that the, the costs involved, but there's so much value in what Signum brings to the market when one takes a look at the dials itself, because I know the work that it goes into and the cost that it goes into making those for the price that I sell it at, um, it should be much more. It's such a good point to make uh, with with um, micro brands and especially micro brands that really take the leap into something different and something interesting like like yourself um is that the the cost i think i think too many times people fall into the trap of seeing uh specs a spec sheet and just going oh like 
it should cost this much because it's got an NH35 or this and that. But like you said, you know, you, you've just given us a snapshot and it just shows you how much goes into making it. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very eye-opening. Along yeah. with that trap, I think people fall into the comparison trap as well. Like you look at the spec sheet over here, mm-hmm. um, whereas you know, if you look at Signum, you got some, um, you got, you know, it's, it's a dive watch, and people are going to make direct, try and make direct comparisons from brand to brand to see where their money's best spent. But you're not thinking about that back end process and how that special yeah. piece became what it is and why it is what it is. But also, uh, I think it's good we're talking about this now because I, I can even compare it to you know Jody's last video on the Signum Siege. Mm. And he, he made the mistake himself. Jody and I are very we're very good friends. And um I I I've been with him on his journey through, you know, we sort of grew together. Uh, I think when I first started with Jody, he had less than ten thousand subscribers. Yeah, cool. Um and he he fell into the same trap of looking at the specs on 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 the swatch and not considering the finer details that decided on the final cost of this watch so you know the the turquoise versions are 499 and then the full looms 539 and then the um heat meteorite is 569 and he himself also fell into the trap of oh it's a miyoto 9015 it's a steel case it's got a canvas strap it should cost x amount but there's one very big detail on that watch and which he didn't consider is, is the high domed crystal on this on this piece. Just the crystal alone is one hundred and forty dollars. Yeah. That's more than what a quartz whole watch costs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then take into consideration small. If 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 I had flat crystal, flat sapphire swatch, I could shave one hundred dollars off. But just because it was double domed box crystal. It was $140 just for the crystal. Um, the, the case has clear DLC coating. Again, this 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 the process that pe- people don't take into consideration small details like that is because with the DLC uh, clear coating still to this day, the, the clear coating, um, it's not, the process of doing that is not made for watches. The the, okay. the clear DLC coating is actually something that the um, steel and aluminium industry use in making windows, windows oh. of houses. Okay. They they spray those so that it doesn't scratch. So the application and these machines are are not the people who coat metal and that it's it's these large machines and that and it's not small fine you know. If if there's a speck of dust on a window in the coating, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're mm. not going to read. They're not going to redo the coating, but a speck of dust on a small watch redo everything. There's like a almost a fifty percent redo rate on the clear coating. It's it's so fine, and these are all cost factors that you know sort of when people fall into the trap of looking at the specs and thinking, oh, it's got a Miyoto, it's a steel case, it should cost X. And it's got a canvas strap, it should even cost, you know, less. Um, but then again, you also look at the at the loom of the watch. And I mean, Signum has become somewhat synonymous with loom besides the dials. Um, 
and just the loom application on on this you know bu- buying the superluminova in 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 gram form from RC Tritech here in Switzerland sending the loom to 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 China and making sure that they actually use that mm. loom mm. that you give them because some manufacturers will just pocket that and you know use something else um so yeah it's it's uh I, I hope you know people start to to look at more uh, go stop reading a spec sheet and and just deciding a a, a price from from that yeah no it's wonderfully put and I think one of the things that you've done is when you reference the mailing list um you know I think I'm, I, I saw one in July the second which is about the dials um you know how exactly we do make dials I feel like you know doing those things uh keeping your uh, buyers or potential buyers uh, uh, informed is, is such a great um, thing to do for for the market in general as well, not just you know your brand. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it falls into the um, into the vein of Stratton as well. Like you, like I said from the start, you've, you've been in the forums. Um, you know, you're involved in the in the feedback and and you're listening. Um, so it goes all the way through. Which yeah, massive credit to yourself again. But thank you. Last question for Signum, and you kind of uh, got us this one earlier. Was what was the yeah? I, I guess we know we know Stratton. We know exactly where the the thought and the the um, idea of that came from. Um, what was the reason behind creating that second brand? Because um, personally, yep. I like having that kind of capsule collection of eggs. But I think Stratton. I think Chrono cars, everything you want me to think. And when I think of Signum, it's dive watches, dials, and loom, like you just said. So, what was the overall? reasoning behind that decision yeah so i I think it stems from from two points uh firstly i think you know stratton is so niche branching out and doing anything other than sort of the retro styling that my customers have been accustomed to will simply dilute and and it 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 won't do the brand any good Mm. um secondly there's maybe a few more points there in in making the decision. Um, secondly, it was um, I wanted to be more creative outside of of um, you know retro styling uh, and combining that with with my passion for unique materials or or, or, or minerals. Um, yeah, that that was the, the the second point, and also I think from a business decision, you know the 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 dive watch market or, or the sports watch market uh, outside of chronographs is just so huge. Um, Stratton is so niche that I, I wanted to have a bit more potential um, and diversify, which is the reason why I started. Yeah. I guess so, having um, those connections to manufacturers and and what you needed um, to kick off that already would have been a, a good play there. Um you know, having connections absolutely the yeah also from the perspective of you know i moved away from kickstarter in 2019 um i saw that the market was sort of you know viewing brands who were going back multiple times or also new brands starting out on kickstarter there was just a lot of negativity around kickstarter i saw and i wanted to move away from from that and that's the reason why you know, moving away from Kickstarter and then starting Stratton in, 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 sorry, Signum in 2020. Um, 
it was self-funded. So it, it was risky, sure, um, but sort of with the knowledge that I built up with, with Stratton, I thought it would be a, a calculated risk. Yeah, and, cool. Yeah. Um, and last question for me, uh, we know you've got your love of cars with uh, Stratton. Now, with Signum, is there any connection to the ocean or diving whatsoever there, or is it just a, a passion project? Um, not diving particularly, but, you know, growing up, I grew up in, in Cape Town, South Africa. And, uh, we, we used to go every weekend to a place called the Manus Onrus, which is like uh, one and a half hours away from Cape Town. And um, I used to uh, bodyboard and did a lot of skimboarding. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I love the ocean. Um, so I don't particularly dive, no. But, um, yeah. That's so funny you say that. I caught up with Parker for a coffee on Tuesday and um, I'm going to be kid-free this weekend and I've actually taken the opportunity to go bodyboarding off the coast of Perth. Um, um, it's been a couple of years for me. I used to surf and, and whatnot going up to a little awesome. place called Lancelin where a friend of uh, mine in school, his parents owned a little shack up there. So that was where we spent our school holidays. But uh, so, yeah, so funny you bring bodyboarding up because that's what I'm doing Saturday from morning till lunch. I'm super excited. Awesome. Uh, um yeah no 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 uh bodyboarding and uh what do you call sea base activity for me because i yeah for for work i'm i'm on a boat floating in the middle of nowhere for work uh rest of the time. oh wow being being sometimes okay. sometimes being out there is yeah it's you know it's just if i can ask what 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 are you doing on oh is well, it sort of fishing or is it marine no biology no or... no engineering so yes we're doing building stuff building stuff out there yeah so awesome stuff. that's that's the kind of work we do yeah so yeah whenever i'm on a boat it's not usually for pleasure <laughs> okay oh <laughs> uh, awesome awesome all right well um you know i guess this is where you know we've come to the part of the podcast where we discuss something interesting that we've um, I've seen or heard, whether it's watch-related or otherwise, this week. Um, so, yeah, Kyle, as our guest, is there anything you'd like to note? No, I think uh, good, good discussion, good talk. I'm glad to have um, met you guys. And, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for, for, for the opportunity to come on the podcast. Yeah, cool. I guess um, why something interesting, I watched a uh, little uh, documentary slash movie on Netflix this week called The Deepest Breath. Have either, either of you seen that? It's come out the last two weeks? No. no. So it was it was about free diving. So while we're talking about dive watches, I got a bit excited. I said, ah, um, I'm su- super excited. Um, it was competitive free diving. Um, so apart from those people being um, incredible and bonkers to do what they do um i was hoping to see some watches and um yeah no, no luck from from my eyesight but um it's pretty crazy to see what the little wristwatch computers they use can do and uh and look like um there, there was some overpowered stuff for, for case sizes and how thin they were so that was pretty so they, cool. they're digital yeah all digital yep and all talking to yeah, the I surface saw, I, I saw the um the email for that uh, Netflix sent me because I'm I'm a Netflix subscriber, so I do get notifications. I, d- I did see that. So when you said free driver, I remember the the pictures of a person going down. Yeah, Un- unreal yeah, stuff. I like when yet. when the girl was coming back up, you can see the compression, like uh, the the pressure on her face. You can see her cheekbones start to turn white from the you know the skin pressing so hard down. And then you, they, when they got into injuries and everything else, um, it was unreal documentary. Highly recommend anyone to to go and watch it. Yeah. Ooh, thanks. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, in my industry, I've seen, you know, divers go out there and stuff. It's usually, you know, um, you know, saturation diving and things like that. And yeah, free diving just seems like a whole nother level of uh, scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Cool. Well, I, yeah, I guess my something interesting this week for the listeners. Um, so uh, Seiko is uh, Seiko UK specifically. They're, they're doing this thing. It's called a power design project. Uh, basically what they're doing is they're going back in their archives and redesigning stuff um, uh, as like concept, you know, nothing actually they're going to release. So I I thought this was a cool thing because um, so one of the designers, um, he's got a three-year-old son, basically designed a kid's watch uh, on the design of the Seiko Tuna, the Marine Master. So, you know, you're talking about a 1,000 meter professional diver <laughs> and he's taken that and um, basically made it into a kid's watch in the same shape tuna shape and he's made it you know 200 meter water resistant and and the lot and i thought it's just the most over spec <laughs> kids watch you'll ever see um unfortunately it's not for sale but uh it's very cool conceptual piece and maybe one day um they might release it to market cool. yeah i think it's it's cool to see um uh, like in Seiko, there's a lot of stuff that uh, lacks personality in that space where it's so big and it's cool to see something a little bit more um, humbled and and market grabby towards, um, yeah, people with children. For sure, for sure. Sweet. All right, well, Kyle, I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on. It's been a, a pleasure to chat to you. Um, we'll, we'll pass over to you. Is there um, anything you'd like to, to add as a last point? Uh, and if if not, plug your socials and anything else you'd want to chat about. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I can just mention um, my, my next sort of Stratton watch. It's probably the most bonkers one I've, I've ever done, which will come soon. Um, there's going to be a lot of strong hate for it. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, prepared, I'm, pre- I'm prepared for that. It's, um, it's a play on a 70s um, a piece. Um, it was a brand called Direx. Uh, it's it's called the Cuff Buster case, which is um, it's extremely unique, and that's why I said it's it's I'm I'm gonna get people are gonna either absolutely hate it and they're gonna shit all over it. Excuse me, <laughs> um, and the, the guys who who like it will, will 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 love it, and I think I'm willing to take this <laughs> this risk because. Um, I think if, if any brand could pull it off in terms of styling, it fits sort of perfectly in, in Stratton's sort of niche. Um, I've already, you know, with posting sort of renders and and actual videos of the original watch, um, the, the strong hate comes through. Uh, but I've, as I said, developed a, a thick skin over the years, so I don't let sort of that sort of stuff get to me. <laughs> But it's called the the Stratton Sprint, uh, Cuff Buster, um, and yeah, look, looking forward to launching that in the next sort of two two to three months. Yes, wait that um, and I think you posted a sample of the Sprint dial in in brown as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's cool to see a a um design from outside of Stratton's Bullhouse uh kind of come into Stratton's Bullhouse and um have its own design play into it. Um I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh great to hear. Uh 
that's a nice little scoop for our listeners. Um, all right. Well, again, thank you so much, Carl. Um, I just want to yeah, thank um, you guys. Yeah, it, we've had a great chat, and um, hope the listeners um enjoyed every bit of it as well um i just want to let everyone know that um yeah we're now released in apple podcasts as well so not just spotify apple podcasts uh and hopefully expanding to other platforms very soon uh look if, if anyone's got any questions uh for ourselves uh or even carl send them through to us and yep. we can pass them on and and also um yeah we'll we're gonna have a special q a episode uh coming soon so mm-hmm. yep so please uh please go ahead um you know send it to our social send it to our, our gmail we'll we'll gather it all up and hopefully answer uh most of your questions all right well if there's nothing else we'll leave it there Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Justin. Thank you for joining us on Overtime, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on our Instagrams at Overtime, the podcast, at Kinda Average Watches, and at Horology Capture. We appreciate your support and value your feedback. If you have any questions, suggestions, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please hit us up. We would love to hear from you. Until next time.